to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Well, greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host of today's Happy Hour Podcast. And at some point in time, we have all experienced stress, anxiety, depression, and grief. The conventional medical answer to these conditions is often to prescribe a pill, but our guest today has an alternative. Dr. Jan Patterson is a cancer survivor, a bereaved parent, an integrative medicine and infectious disease doctor who's practiced and taught medicine for over 30 years. She and Phyllis Clark Nichols, an award-winning inspirational writer who is also no stranger to grief. Um, she has been a caregiver to her husband for 10 years and has gone through three battles with cancer. And they teamed up to write a book, an absolutely wonderful book. It's really a manual, I think. It's called Breath for the Soul, uh, Self-Care Steps to Wellness. And they explore ways you can use your breath, movement, nutrition, uh, mindfulness, and spirit to care and heal yourself. And I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Jan Patterson here to talk about their book and share some of the self-care steps to wellness. So welcome, Dr. Patterson. Thank you, Cheryl. It's nice to be here. Well, as I said, I think it's a really uh, remarkable book, and it's really going to help a lot of people out there. So let me first start by asking how a medical doctor who's very recognized in infectious diseases and a professor and a seminary-trained inspirational writer came together to write this book. Well, uh, Phyllis and I have been friends for years, and uh, as I got into my integrative medicine journey, which I'll talk more about in a moment, some of the things I learned I shared with her, like essential oils and guided meditations and breath work, and uh, she shared these with her husband, who was uh, you know, undergoing cancer treatment at this time, and she was his primary caregiver, and they both found, found them very helpful. And you know, Phyllis uh, is an inspirational author, she's a very spiritual person, and uh, spirit being one of the main things that we uh, advocate is self-care, we decided, well, why don't we write a book and I can talk about the evidence for these things and how people can do them. And Phyllis uh, would write a spiritual response to each thing. So it's kind of science meets spirituality, if you will, uh, or science meets storytelling. And so we each uh, give our uh, contributions in that way to this book, Breath for the Soul. Well, and it's great. It's such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful combination to have all of those, all of those perspectives in one really wonderful book. So as I said, the book is so informative, but it's also really wonderfully organized to take the reader through step-by-step self-care tips. And really anyone listening today could start these steps 
you know, is the second you get the book or, or you stop listening to this podcast. So I think it would help just give our listeners a bit of an overview of of the book before we get into some of the details. Okay. Well, um, as I got my training in integrative medicine and I started using it with patients in the clinic and also in the hospital uh, with our integrative medicine consult service, I found that there were four recurring pillars of things that we asked people to do for self-care. One was breath work using intentional breathing. Um, another was movement and then nutrition and then also spirituality. And so, um, you know, I took these difficulties in life that we all have to cope with stress, anxiety, depression, and grief. And I went through each of them and described how breath work, movement, nutrition, and spirit uh, could help with each one of those things, what people could do for self-care with each one of those things. Um, and as I wrote a segment, Phyllis would respond with a spiritual response. Uh, and that's how the format goes throughout the book. So uh, there's a, a chapter on breath work, movement, nutrition, and spirituality under each of the sections, stress, anxiety, depression, and grief. And then we have, at the end, we have a place to make a self-care plan and also some additional resources and even some recipes. Yeah, that's, and that, that part of the book, I really, really love. You know, I do want to go back a second because I think it's very interesting that you've got into integrative medicine. Can you just talk a little bit about what that is? Because I think some people might still be confused around that and how you went from being, I guess, a conventional doctor, for want of a better word, to expanding your practice. Okay, well, integrative medicine is an approach to the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. And by the way, that's how we got the the name, the soul in the title of the book, because we think of that as the whole person. And so the idea of integrative medicine, it's so named because we integrate holistic and complementary theories, ther uh, therapies with conventional therapies. So that it's, it's not that we're against conventional or right. traditional therapies, but we have some additional things that can be done that uh, are very simple and effective and sometimes we find help patients even more than uh, medication. So, um, and I got into it because after practicing and teaching medicine for many years, I saw that conventional medicine could do many wonderful things. It could be life-saving. You know, it, it uh, cured me of my cancer. And so I have great respect for that. And I still practice conventional medicine, infectious diseases. But I saw that there were uh, many things in life that conventional medicine didn't fully address things like these difficulties, stress, anxiety, depression, and grief. And then through my personal experiences with losses, like the loss of my son to suicide, uh, my cancer diagnosed just six weeks after my son died, and then several yeah. other personal lo losses in a short period of time, you know, I, I really had to uh, rely on, on things uh, like uh, my faith, my family, my friends, my spirituality, and I found that holistic therapies, uh, first of all, essential oils really helped me with things like my mood and a number of other physical things. And I figured, well, there must be other complementary therapies that are good as well. And that led me to integrative medicine and getting trained in integrative medicine at the Andrew Weil Center at University of Arizona. Well, that's that's a wonderful that's a wonderful story. And I'm also encouraged these days to hear of more and more physicians really embracing uh, integrative medicine because I think it's so important and, and it is important to look at us as holistic beings and not just one symptom or one issue that, you know, gets a, 
a pill or something thrown at us. So I think it's more important. And I hope we just continue to see um, that this whole field expanding. So as we said, the title of your book is Breath for the Soul. So let's start with just the breath part, because it's it's in so important in all of your self-care tips. So what is it about our breath that helps us in all of these areas in terms of anxiety, stress, depression, and grief? Well, you know, our breathing is involuntary, so we don't think much about it but we can control our breathing and uh, using intentional breathing can really help us go from the stress response to the relaxation response. And the way we do that is to take deep, slow, regular breaths using our abdomen as well as our chest. You know, when we're stressed or scared, we, we tend to breathe rapidly, shallowly, irregularly, and we just use our chest for breathing. Mm -hmm. um, and that all of that tells our body that, you know, we're under stress. Um, and so we can change that by taking deep, regular, slow breaths. And we have some particular uh, breathing exercises in the book that we recommend to people uh, that are especially helpful. And what this does is um, our vagus nerve detects this change in our breathing. And uh, that tells our body it is okay to relax. And so that causes us to change from a stress response to a relaxation response. And in that relaxation response, we can think more clearly, act more rationally, treat people more kindly. So it's really, um, it's really, uh, you know, a blessing for us to be able to go into that space when we can. Well, that's great. I want, I do want to get back to the breath thing at, in a, in a couple of minutes, because I found that so fascinating and you had so many different breathing techniques, some of which I had never heard of before. Um, and I thought that was real, but first to get back to the, the title of the book that we have the breath part and then you have the soul part. So just tell us just a little bit about that, why caring for our soul is so important in our, in our healing process as well in so many areas. Well, by the soul, what Phyllis and I mean is the body, mind, and spirit. And so none of them are really separate. Um, I learned, especially during the fellowship, there is a, a very strong mind-body connection. And our mind can have so much influence over what is going on in our body, what we're feeling in our body. And uh, so the breath for the soul refers not only to breath work, but to refreshment and nutrition and encouragement that we can give our whole self, our soul. And, and so that's why we named it that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect title. Um, so let's start with stress. Since I, I know that's something all of us deal with. And it seems to me, and especially after I think the last three years of everything that everyone's gone through, it's probably become even more heightened for a lot of us. But um Let's kind of start first. Do we have, do we really have more stress than our ancestors did? Well, it's a different kind of stress. So for instance, our ancestors developed this stress or fight or flight response because they were running from predators and, you know, running from people who were after them. And we don't have that kind of same stress today, but what's chasing us is, um, you know, stress at work, uh, the demands of home and children. Um, and all of these things, you know, that we try to uh, manage multitask at once. So, so that is our stress, you know, sitting in traffic, I get stressed sitting in traffic and I use some of these breathing techniques there. So um, it's a different kind of stress than our ancestors have. But the other thing is that for us, it tends to be chronic stress because, mm -hmm. you know, our ancestors, you know, 
at some point the tiger stopped chasing them. <laughs> but right. for us, a lot of these stresses that we have that add up, they're with us chronically and we don't really get relief from them. You know, our, our mobile phones are on all the time. We have access to our email all the time. And so it seems like this stress can be never ending. And so um, a lot of the studies that have been done on stress show that yes, our body can accommodate to stress by increasing our heart rate, our blood pressure, our cortisol, which is our body's natural steroid hormone. But over time, chronic stress is bad for us. You know, it causes inflammation, it increases our risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, and all those things that, that we don't want. So, um, so yes, we, we are stressed in a different way than our ancestors, but we are stressed. Yeah, and, and, and for more longer periods of time too, it That's sounds right. like if we're living with chronic stress, which I think uh, a lot of us are. So in, in every one of the sections of your book, you break it down into uh, breath, movement, nutrition, and, and spirit. So I thought, let's talk a little bit about the stress and the breathing thing, because to me, I found that really interesting. And also how to not to stress me too, which is yes. something I think we all tend to do, you know, whether it's you grab that sweet something or the bag of potato chips or something. And before you know it, it's, you know, you've consumed the whole thing, but I, let's talk about the breathing because you do have some interesting techniques. And I thought if you could, it might be kind of fun if we could just do one of your breathing exercises that okay. I could do with you and everyone listening could, I think. All right. Let's talk sure. about well, breath. One of the most uh, popular ones is in my uh, anxiety section and that's the four, seven, eight breath. And so that's really pretty simple. Um, it's just inhaling for four counts, one, two, three, four, holding it for seven counts, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then exhaling with a whoosh for eight counts, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And uh, you know, that hold where we hold our breath for just the seven counts, doesn't have to be seven seconds, just seven counts. Yeah. That is uh, telling our vagus nerve is telling our body, okay, we can relax. We're not breathing, you know, quickly or regularly. We're breathing slowly now and our exhale is longer than our inhale. And again, that's another signal to our body that we can relax. So, so that uh, breath technique, we recommend starting out doing it um, four times, four sequences of that twice a day. And then you can also use it at different times of the day when you're stressed. Like I mentioned, I use it in traffic and sometimes I use it uh, when I'm trying to go to sleep at night and finding it difficult to unwind. Mm. Use it then. That's a great tip. So should we just try one? So everyone, uh, you know, I'll try it with you. So we all kind of get it and then figure out how we incorporate that throughout the day. So you lead okay. me. Okay, sure. So inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, exhale, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't think I inhaled enough. I didn't have any breath left <laughs> to get to, to the last ones, but I get the idea now, but I like that, the holding it. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to definitely incorporate that throughout my day. And especially those moments of anxiety or stress when you're, you know, sitting. In well, I'm, I'm not a good person waiting in line either. So Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the things we're not used to taking real deep breaths, you know. And so that's one of the things that this exercise does. It gets us to take a deep breath so we can hold it for those seven counts. And again, it doesn't have to be seven seconds. 
um, you'll be able to extend the counts out more the more you do this exercise. And uh, you mentioned waiting in line, uh, not being patient, waiting in line. I always pick the wrong line at the grocery store, by the way. But, um, you know, that's another thing. That's another time that we can use our mindfulness. You know, we can use the four, seven, eight breath and we can just fo not focus on what we need to be doing in the future, what happened in the past, but just where we are at the moment. You know, what, what are we feeling right now? Um, you know, what are some, uh, you know, just relaxing in our mind, listening to the sights and sounds around us and just not stressing about being in the line. Right, exactly. So what are some tips for um, not stress eating when you want to grab that bag of potato chips and eat them mindlessly? <laughs> right, well, you know, as you know, when we eat something that's high sugar, high carbs, it gives us kind of an instant rush, an instant good feeling, but then our insulin level goes up and it brings that blood sugar down and we kind of crash and we want that, that uh, carb again. So to get off of that cycle, we can take um, things that are metabolized more slowly, you know, uh, fruit, for instance, fruit with a lot of fiber, you know, that's, that can be an apple, that can be a banana, um, you know, whatever kind of fruit you like to eat, um, or also, you know, uh, carrots and celery. I know that sounds uh, bland, but really carrots are kind of sweet. Um, if you learn to appreciate that sweetness and that's a snack you can have ready in the refrigerator to grab instead of the chips. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, also, I think that's a key too. If you have them there, that's just easy to pull out. Uh, that right. makes it easier than, you know, opening up something that's not so great for you at that point in time. And then also, um, you know, walnuts, almonds, you know, they're calorie dense, so we, we can't eat a lot of them, but just a small handful. Um, those nuts have, they're high in magnesium, which is calming. And so uh, those not only stay with us longer because, uh, you know, they have protein and healthy fat, uh, but they can help us feel more calm. So uh, that's another thing that we can use for snacking. Those are all, all great tips. So the, se the second part of the book is anxiety. So my question is, what's the difference between stress and anxiety? It seems to me like they're one thing, but is there a difference and how well, do you find it? They're certainly related. Um, and uh, you can think of them as one thing. What I had in mind is, you know, stress, a small amount of it in the right time in the right place can be beneficial in terms of having us on our best for our, for a presentation or whatever. But as I mentioned, you know, chronic stress is not good and chronic stress can lead to anxiety so that, you know, not only are we, um, uh, you know, uh, breathing fast and, uh, thinking about, you know, things that, that could go wrong, but we're anxious, you know, we're worrying about things constantly. We're worrying about what's going to happen in the future. We're ruminating about what happened yesterday or what I said two hours ago and how is that going to go over? And so that I, I make a little distinction between stress and anxiety mm -hmm. because I find that, um, you know, anxiety tends to be more focused on worrying ahead and worrying about things that have happened in the past and really dwelling on those things. And sometimes those things can really, um, you know, uh, um, disable us. You know, we can't move forward. We can't uh, think in the present. And again, that's where mindfulness comes back in. We talk about meditation and mindfulness in this section. And in fact, I give a story in there about um, a patient that we saw on our integrative medicine rounds who was going to get a dressing change at the bedside. Previously, she'd had these in the operating room, but the wound was small enough now to do it at the bedside. And she was very anxious about this. So it wasn't just a stress. She was really worrying about right. it, worrying about the future. 
And so, you know, we gave her a lavender nasal inhaler. We gave her a guided meditation for anxiety. And she was onto that. She started using that. And we came back the next day and she said, oh, that was, that helped her so much. She said, really, that the meditation helped her more than the medication, you know, that they gave her for the dressing change. So, you know, it's just a demonstration about how our mind is very powerful. Uh, powerful. We just have to remember to use it. And I think of the guided meditation as a way of turning to our spirit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, turning to our resources in ourselves, turning to our mind to calm our body down. Yeah, that's all. That's all really fascinating. And, and again, in, in each of one of your chapters, you have sort of your four tenets, I guess, the breath, movement, nutrition, and spirit. So in the anxiety section too, you also talk about nutrition and foods that can decrease anxiety. So maybe talk about that a little bit. That's right. Well, um, you know, dark leafy greens, uh, things like uh, spinach, arugula, romaine lettuce, uh, kale, um, Swiss chard, those kinds of things. Those are all not only high in antioxidants and vitamins and minerals that we need, but they're high in magnesium. And and so again, magnesium is something that can calm us. Uh, And again, you know, the walnuts, the almonds, those have a lot of magnesium and they can calm us as well. So uh, if we focus on foods like that, um, instead of the stress eating foods, those are things that can help us. Well, that's great too. And then, so now we're moving into the third part of the book, which which is depression. And of course, we all know there's varying levels of depression. I mean, we all have days when you know we feel sad or we're upset, and it may go in a day. And then there's the you know those really deep dark depressions. And I think it was uh, really beautifully captured a, a lot of that section in the book by your um, by your writing partner too. And she talked about you know depression and despair, you know, that becomes a whole different thing. But um, I found it very interesting in that section, how you talk about how movement can help with depression. So let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Absolutely. There is a lot of evidence that physical movement can help relieve depression. And, you know, whether you like vigorous movement, like running or cycling hills or swimming or whether you like just moderate movement, like walking or even gardening, or meditation movement like yoga or Tai Chi. Really, each of those have been shown to relieve depression, to make us less likely to be depressed, and to make uh, us less likely for the depression to recur. And in fact, some studies have even been done that show that um, one of the neurotransmitters in our brain called uh, GABA, G-A-B-A, which is gamma aminobutyric acid, it's a a neurotransmitter that calms us, okay? And so that has been shown to be increased with uh, doing yoga. And actually, if you do yoga at least once a week, that can stay increased. So it's a way of, um, you know, calming ourselves, soothing ourselves with movement. Well, that's great. And then as I said, Phyllis, in Phyllis's section there, she talks about cultivating your spirit, which I thought was a really nice... um, concept. I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit here too. Well, I think um, in terms of cultivating our spirit, you know, let's talk about what we mean by spirituality. You know, um, I think of spirituality as an interconnectedness between others and a higher being. Mm-hmm. So that can be informed by faith. You know, for Phyllis and I, it's informed by our Christian faith. And that's the perspective that she talks about in her spiritual responses. You know, it can be informed by uh, whatever faith people have. It can also be informed by nature and the arts. 
So it's just um, a matter of feeling that interconnectedness and, you know, using the time with our, uh, with our mind and our meditation practices of connecting with other people um, and uh, connecting with a higher being uh, and to uh, develop that spirit and, and uh, the spirituality. And there's actually evidence now that spirituality uh, activates our brain. It gives us a more awakened brain. There have been studies using functional MRI, which is that MRI that lights mm -hmm. up the parts of the brain that right. are active. And so people that are thinking spiritually, um, they, have, they have a more active brain. Their brain lights up more with that functional MRI. Excellent. That is good news to hear for, for all of us. So then the last section of your book, which is probably the toughest one, is, is on grief. And you very eloquent, eloquently share um, the tragedy of losing your son a decade ago. And I cannot imagine any worse grief than that. Um, and you also talk about how so many people, when someone is going through that, we don't know how to, we don't know what to say to someone who's grieving and, and we sort of walk away from that. It's almost like we mm -hmm. don't, we don't want to see it. And you had some very good advice there that I think could help anybody who's trying to, uh, you know, certainly going through grief, but trying to help, you know, any friend or anyone else dealing with that. So what is some of your advice on how you help someone when they're going through the grieving. Yeah, well, well, this is not something that I realized uh, until I, you know, was was experiencing this kind of grief. But the thing that was most helpful to me was just uh, people who would just listen and not try to give me a lot of advice. Uh, you know, not try to explain why it happened or there was a reason it happened or all those kind of things. Um, but just to listen to me and to uh, listen to what I experienced. It also helped me uh, for people that felt comfortable enough to talk about my son. Uh, because, you know, I wanted my son to be remembered. I wanted to remember my son. And really, even now, anytime somebody talks to me about him and tells me things they remember about him, you know, I'm glad because it means that he's remembered. I think some people are, you know, very reluctant to bring up a person uh, who's passed away to someone who's grieving. And of course, everybody experiences grief differently. But I know right. for me and others in the support groups I've been in, it actually helps us when people uh, want to talk about our loved one that's gone. And and you also made the point that when you don't know what to say, just a simple "I'm I'm sorry" can go exactly. uh, actually a long way. Exactly. So yeah. I thought that was very important for people to hear because we very often just don't know how to deal with that. And it's not because we we don't care about the person grieving; we just don't feel like we we have the right words. So sometimes right. it's two simple words that that where you can reach out and they know you're there and that you hopefully would might listen to if someone wanted to talk. Um, so honestly, there's just, there's so much incredible information and inspiration throughout this book. As I said, it's wonderfully organized. Everybody listening, um, um, I, I love it how at the end of each section you have tips, how you can create your own self-care plan. You've made it really very easy for us to understand it and and um, really keep it as a Bible by your bedside. <laughs> if you're having, you know, I know I'm going to do that. If you're having that moment of anxiety, say, quick, let me go to that chapter on, you know, breathing, movement, whatever, or eat some almonds, you know. <laughs> 
You know, we have we have had people tell us that they do keep it at the bedside. And many people have told us that they'll read it through once and they'll go back again, you know, and then they use it as a reference book. They go back and look. And uh, yes, the breathing techniques have been one of the most helpful things uh, for people. So we're, we're glad that's the point to get it out there. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's so important. And I, I think it's only good for us. But I, honestly, everyone listening, it's a great gift to give to, <laughs> to anyone, friends, family. I mean, give it to your best girlfriends because we're, you know, we all go through this. And I really think there's a, a real growing awareness now of the importance of self-care, you know, and that it's beyond just, you know, hopping in a bubble bath once in a while, you know, that there's so many more things that we can do that can really help us. So I just have to say, I, I thank you and Phyllis for writing this book. It's so important. It is so wonderful to talk to a doctor like you who is embracing conventional medicine along with all of the other things and that you've seen it work and you're sharing it with us. So I, I can't think thank you enough. And again, the book is titled Breath for the Soul, Self-Care Steps to Wellness. It's available on Amazon and booksellers everywhere. Go get your copy today. Spread the word. So do you have any last words? And thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Cheryl. Well, you can find out more about me and Phyllis at my website is drjanpatterson.com and Phyllis's website is phyllisclarknichols.com. And uh, so, uh, yes, we, we hope that you'll find this a very helpful resource. We've already had a lot of positive feedback on it. And Cheryl, thank you for having me today. Oh, thank you. And good luck with everything, especially with the book. So thank you.